I was addicted to a substance and um, I called my dad and my dad was just like, what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do to change? Because you can't live with me, you can't live with your mom, you're homeless, you don't have a job. And, the, and then I got like hooked and then I couldn't stop. Um, and recovery today has just given me the ability to wake up in the morning and be okay. And I mean, it's not every day where I'm okay. Um, but I know what to do when I'm not. From ZMB Media and Jewish Community Services, this is Hooked. Stories of loss, love, and most importantly, hope, as told by recovering drug addicts, family members, and friends. I'm Howard Resnick, Manager of Prevention Education at JCS. In this episode, you'll hear from three addicts in recovery. All have volunteered to share their experiences with us and are not clients of Jewish Community Services. We started off the discussion here with my asking these recovering folks about the moment when they finally said to themselves, I've had enough, I can't go on like this anymore. Some called it their bottom, others their spiritual awakening. Often, it seems like it's both at the same time. Sam is the first to respond. He told us how he found himself coming to in a padded room of a psychiatric ward. Work in the past, I don't see why it would work now. And I remember waking up and there was this like hippie-ish guy. We had like good vibes and like he had like long hair. And I remember he was like bald here and he had like long like hair. And he like just sat down to like my level because like I was on the floor and I was like, you know, I had like the straight jacket on. And he was he was just like talking to me like I was a I was a human being. And for like one, you know, second, you know, I I had some I had some clarity, like, you know, some, like, like non-drug-induced, like, clarity. Um, and, and I think that was my first point where I was like, you know, like, I, I could do this. I don't know how, you know, but I, I can do this. J.D., who wants to take a stab? Um, I mean, my bottom was when I was living in, like, a foreclosed home off of Harford Road. And I was living this was with this woman I called mom, who was basically like my drug dealer. <laughs> and um, we got pulled over by the cops because we didn't realize this, but they were watching us. Um, and I was driving a car on a suspended license, no tags, no title, no insurance. And I attempted to run across Harford Road and like in attempts to get hit by a car because I just didn't want to face it. And then I got put in a mental hospital for two weeks. And that was the first time like I ever told anyone that I was addicted to a substance. And um, I called my dad and my dad was just like, what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do to change? Because you can't live with me, you can't live with your mom, you're homeless, you don't have a job. Like what's the next step? And the next step was just to go to treatment. And I had, two women, you know, sit me down when I was trying to get off of it, but I couldn't and I like didn't want to be sick. <clears throat> and um, they're like, you're going to die. Like, if you don't change what you're doing, you're going to die. Mm -hmm. um, and they from that point on, like I just stopped. Um, I was sick for like two or three weeks. Mm -hmm. um, but I went to meetings and, you know, I just did what I was supposed to do and now I'm here. <laughs> wow. Mm -hmm. Congratulations. Thank wow. you. Wow. How, how long ago was that? 
That was September 14th, 2014. 14. So almost three years ago. Mm-hmm. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, mm-hmm. As far as bottoms go, I think I hit many bottoms. I, I remember the first time, the first time I was arrested, I remember thinking, wow, this is it. I gotta change my life or I'm gonna be in real trouble. Mm-hmm. You had never pictured yourself arrested. No, so. no, 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 just a regular guy from the burbs. And then um, <laughs> the second time I got arrested, I was like, ah, maybe it's not so bad. So that kind of wore off. I think, um, so I, I had a hard time finding a bottom because I would kind of maintain my life um, a normal semblance. If you looked at me from the outside, I, w- I was living a life, I was acting. Um, and and aware I think but so what got me to go and seek help <clears throat> was uh, was my wife finding something that would suggest that I was um, hooked on opiates mm-hmm. so at that point I had to have the conversation with her that there was a problem and um, and I told her I would fix it and enter an outpatient program and I think the real uh, willingness came through the process of kicking opiates like no one says there's there's no fine print on your baggies saying that it's going to take you like a month to get some sleep and maybe two months to start feeling human again and I think throughout that process I was um, I've I found a willingness I've almost sort of like I kind of found the bottom there and I definitely found the willingness and the desire not to have to go through that again and I think that was really it. Like from there, I got really lucky. I think I, I found the right people. I found a psychiatrist because I couldn't sleep. So I was, I needed that. So I found a shrink who just said, you know, for me, he said the answer for me was, uh, was clearly just to go and find a program, a 12-step program uh, and do what they tell me. It was at this point in time that I asked the question, what was it like? What's the experience of being high? What's the attraction? Why is it so seductive? At first, it's very much um, like fireworks, like your first time getting high. Like I, I can still remember being like in, in, in the back of one of the schools and like cutting up like, you know, a a, a, a plastic bottle, you know, to, to make some sort of like gravity or bong, or, you know, like, uh-huh. or, or like my first drink when I was like eight or nine years old. And then I got like hooked and then I couldn't stop. Um, I never tried to stay stopped because I, I never, I never wanted to be alone in my own head. I hear. You know. Okay. Well described, some people will say, at first I used drugs and then the drugs started using me. Very um, so. What became, the solution became the new problem. Um, I used to use to get high and now I just use to not feel so bad. And okay. For you guys? I know for me, like once I started, it became a way <clears throat> to numb any feelings that I was having, insecurity, um, depression, self-doubt, you know, not feeling a part of. And mm-hmm. for me, it, like, got me out of that headspace. That, so that's, That feeling self-conscious and feeling awkward. Yeah, yeah very awkward. I mean, uh-huh. 
my family was a loving family. It was me. And that's how I decided to change myself to get mm -hmm. me out of it. And then after a couple of years, I couldn't live without it because I, it just took over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, someone once called it being comfortable in our own skin. Yeah. I was and, not comfortable. And it's not, right. <laughs> no. And I haven't met an adolescent yet who at some point during their adolescence doesn't feel that awkward stuff. Yeah. And for me, it was different because, like, there's no addicts in my family mm -hmm. or alcoholics, but my immediate family, but I'm adopted. So, like, who knows? Who well, knows? Yeah. And, like, a lot of people are like, What's oh, like, I grew up around an alcoholic. Like, this, it was just in the family. Like, it was not in my life at all. It's just once I took that first drug, like, mm -hmm. there was no turning back uh -huh. for me. The first time I could have tried uh, cocaine, I remember asking somebody, he's like, don't do it. He said, you'll never put it down. You'll love it. So I stayed away until I ended up working with somebody who was, who was hooked on coke. Tried it one time, and, and that was literally, like, like I've said before, that was my 20s. Um, sold my car, you know, like sold everything that I own at the pawn shop. I remember I sold like a beautiful Maxima SE for, I could hardly, I, I almost had to push it to CarMax just to get it there because I couldn't afford the gas to get it there um, for five grand, which was gone in less than two weeks. Um, wow. So for me, the, the experience of, of uppers uh, was the cocaine was really just totally like would take me to where I couldn't even speak. I would just be like catatonic. I couldn't, even, I would just go, 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 go. Uh -huh. And okay. it would relax my brain. It relaxed your Not brain. relax my brain, it would make me crazy, make crazy to the point where I was, where my brain was no longer an issue. Uh huh. And then when that became too, um, too Her much, yeah. my friends turned me on to downers, to opiates. And that was really just that what that there was no like excessive you know crazy as it sound i i didn't use it excessively it was i would get enough to keep myself even for the day and then get up and do it again like i didn't want to be completely out of it i was working i had a life mm -hmm. at the time so i i didn't i, I couldn't afford to be knocked out right. it was just to keep me even to keep the voices in my head those awful feelings of what am i doing here and that that like baseline of depression off of my back gotcha gotcha I this addict love getting on hmm. like it, it some people like yeah I use you know beyond my will like no I it, I was go 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 like I I loved the high you wanted it and more the merry and whatever it's hell yeah I mean yeah one is too many <laughs> <laughs> given that recently there had been a number of deaths of young adults in the community uh, due to overdose and fentanyl and the mix of heroin and the other opioids that were around. I knew these guys had uh, experienced some significant losses. So I asked the question. Um, did you lose friends along the way? I lost every friend along the way. And um, once I found once I found how hard drugs, there was no, there's, there's no need for, for human interaction. It's just, you go, you get your stuff and, and you go home and that's it. There, there's no need for anything else. Mm -hmm. So I would say I lost it all. I lost all my friends. I stayed in touch with, um, 
my father would keep in touch with me, I guess, to make sure that I was still living. Uh, I had, you know, two brothers that were, that would call me periodically, but it was more of a, like, it was just a nuisance to have to answer the phone and blow my minutes on the phone, like, I need that to call somebody to get more drugs, so please don't use my minutes on my phone in the day. Yeah, I say goodbye to everybody because they just weren't necessary. People die. Yeah, we just buried a friend uh, recently, and things happen. I remember one guy was uh, my friend's roommate, and he had gotten so paranoid from doing um, from uppers. Yeah. He was doing so much of it that he became so paranoid that they found him. He had fallen back. He was obviously staring out of the peephole, waiting for some sort of paranoid, you know, whatever, to show up at the door, and he'd eaten everything. He uh, ate his whole stash, everything. and he dealt it as well as did it. He ate everything, and he was gone. I mean, oh we my. just buried another friend who was an opiates guy. He was a clean drug user because he only used pills. And we just buried him, you know, a little while ago. Wow. So, yeah. And I, I, it, the thought never crossed my mind that I would... That I would be one of those, um, who, the one of those who would die, or and I don't right, and, and I don't think it mattered to me if you did or not. Right, right. I never picked up something and and thought, hey, this might kill me. I did uh, lay my head down on the pillow many times, thinking this could be it. Maybe I should write something down, uh -huh. something nice to my family. Right. Oh, yeah. for sure. Yeah, yeah. For sure. When when like water was was like coming out of my pores, and I was as uh, like white as a ghost I, I thought maybe I should write something down like I didn't mean it but it, it didn't cross my mind mm -hmm. when I was younger I, I had friends you know like um, I had people that cared about me you know cared about where I was going um, and and just drugs and alcohol became more important but but back to friends um, like losing you mean like died both kinds yeah um, yeah, so like a couple days ago, um, someone that I knew, uh, you know, died of, you know, direct result of, of this disease. You know, I've, I've, I've had, I've had plenty of friends, you know, take, take their last breath, you know, due to this disease. Um, like it's, uh, like, like what, what Jay was saying. Um, I think, I think I was like. I felt pretty invincible, like, when I was using. Like, it didn't really matter. Like, as long as I was getting what I was getting, you know, like, then I was good. Like, I was like a trash can. Um, like, one plus one equals ten. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to spend all the money on, you know, one, you know, because then, you know, the, I already know the desired effect. You know, like, I would, you know, take, like, multiples. And that's when, like, my heart, w like, I remember many times my heart stopping so you could have very well have been one of the the losses oh I, i've how many times i've passed out or been unconscious many times mm -hmm. like i found myself just like waking up you know paramedics around me and just walking away like oh are you okay like yeah i'm i'm fine i just had a couple you know too many beers you know what i mean like uh, <laughs> which you would you would think um would have been like you know light going off in my head but no i remember not being able to walk like i i don't know i remember what i took but maybe it was late i i maybe they gave me something that you know i just like i was trying to walk and i i, I remember that I, I couldn't walk and like cops were looking at me 
Like, and, and that just, wasn't that wasn't enough to oh, say hell hello. No. <laughs> hell no. I mean, like, I just wanted more. Like, you know, I want to get higher and higher and higher. I didn't know anyone that died from the direct result of the disease um, until I got clean, and that's when I started losing people that I like grew a relationship with in like this community, and it took a while. At first, it was, like, always devastating. And then, unfortunately, like, over three years, I've seen so many people go that I'm numb to it. And it's, like, it seems heartless, but, like, that's what happens here. And, Mm -hmm. like, it's sad, and I feel emotion. I feel sad for them. But it's very rare for me to cry anymore over death because Mm -hmm. it's just so normal now especially now even more than ever like every day someone dies multiple people die every day from this disease. that you've had contact that used to use yeah you know. always someone i mean always uh-huh. either overdosing or dying and how about that some of the kids that you grew up with and played around with you know getting high are those people dying too no, because they were normies. <laughs> they were just, they, they could stop. Uh-huh. They right. knew when to stop. Uh-huh. I didn't know when to stop. Or not that I didn't know when to stop. I you physically could, couldn't, couldn't stop. Right. For, you, your, for you, your brain, yeah. your whatever. And it, it's, it's hard for me to like, especially with like social media now, like you see all these people you grew up with and they're married, have kids, are very successful. And uh-huh. here I am like, you know, and I don't have those things yet. Because I'm like, I have a later start, but like, sometimes it's depressing to see that. Oh, yeah. But I mean, that's what addiction does to you. It holds you back Mm -hmm. from life. Over time, I've come to respect the compulsive nature of addiction, the obsessive nature of it, and and how sometimes it's just totally impulsive, comes out out of the blue, out of nowhere. And I was curious to candidly get from... Uh, these people, what they experience is how consuming their addictions became for them. To get it was a full-time job. I had to go to work, you know, get it, stay up all night, go to work, get it, stay up all night. So I would swear every day I'd go to work on about an hour to two hours of sleep, and I would swear I'm going home, (laughs) I'm going to take a nap, and I'm going to have a normal day. Mm -hmm. And not once. I, I couldn't make it happen. I get a phone call, even even if I had the best of intentions, you know, mm-hmm. if there was a day, and my phone would ring, hey, what are you doing? And then I'm right, I'm out the door. Mm. It's amazing. So so I'm not a, I'm not a mental health professional, but to right, say right. that the you know, we it does say in the twelve step you know in the, in the twelve step fellowship that you can have the obsession and compulsion you know, mm-hmm. removed after after some work. Cool beans. So I I I I, I feel that. Okay. Do you have anything to add to that? I mean, at first it's not an obsession and compulsion, like, and all that. But Mm -hmm. after, once you're on the move with being an addiction, like, you do some out-of-pocket things just to, like, get one more. And I didn't think that I would ever be the person to, like, steal, cheat, lie, um and do the things that I did but like mm-hmm. you don't even think about that when you're in the moment you just do whatever you have to do mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and especially towards the end it wasn't even 
doing what you had to do to get high. It was doing what you had to do to get through the day. Just so you could function. And at this point, I was curious to find out from them, what do they need to do now uh, to keep the sobriety that seems like they really worked very hard to achieve? What do they need to do day in and day out to keep what they got? So for me, I, I, I think the biggest thing um, that's, that's detrimental is like thinking that like I got it, um, you know, get, getting, getting stagnant, um, you know, not, not, doing the, not doing the simple steps that, that got us clean, you know, that got us this like amazing gift. Um, I got a lot of money in my bank account. And, you know, if I'm not working a program, I can get super high tonight, you know, and, and that's what I have to think like forefront, like, you know, who knows if I stop working a program, you know, like shit might look really good. You know, that guy nodding out might look really good. You know, I'm, I'm in the trades, you know, there's a lot of people, you know, oh yeah, I just smoke pot and drink, you know, like we were finishing up a job and like the woman was like, Oh, beer for everyone. And thank God I had someone in the program. Like we both didn't drink, you know, but like, uh -huh. it's like so easy. If, if, if I'm not working a program, I'm not around people that love me for who I am and where I'm going in life. Like I could have been like, yeah, let's go. Let's just have one beer and then shit. I wouldn't be here. I hear. Okay. What do you guys do? What do you need to do? these days to keep what you got I mean I have to stay just like Sam was saying I have to stay vigilant because for me it's very clear when I'm off track in like my program it's very clear when I haven't been able to get to a meeting in a couple days like and you always think like when you come in the rooms that you're like and people always say, like, if I don't go to a meeting, I don't feel right. And I'm like, that's eh, a bunch of bull. Like, you know what I mean? But now I'm like, if I don't go to a meeting, I feel it. I feel it in my body. I feel it in my head. Like, something's not right. Um, and it's it's harder for me. It's harder once you get a life back. Like, because when you first get clean, you don't have a life. Your job is to go to a meeting, wake up, and stay clean. And then you get a life back and you're like, okay, well now I have bills that I pay. I have to go to work. I have to go to a meeting. I have to do step work, you know, and it, it gets harder. And it, it, for me now, like I work in treatment and you, so a lot of people think like you work in treatment. Oh, you're constantly around recovery. No, you're constantly <laughs> around sickness every day. So if you don't have a program, like you're not okay. You're not going to be okay. Um, you know, and I just constantly, you know, I wake up every morning, I pray, I go to work, I do some step work, I call my sponsor, you know, I do what I need to do to not pick up anymore because I don't want to go backwards. Mm -hmm. So vigilance. Yeah. <laughs> Maintaining a consciousness yeah. that, yep. And never saying you're recovered because you never will be. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's been your experience that it's, it's right there. Yeah. Yeah. What do you do these days to what do I do? keep it together? What do I do? Um, I remember being at a convention and with a with a, a friend, his sponsor and sponsor's wife, and the guy had twenty eight years at the time, maybe twenty seven years, and 
and I remember the wife's, the, the the sponsor's wife saying that that guy had a healthy fear, you know, of of using drugs, and I thought that was ridiculous. Cause <laughs> I, you know, I thought it was ridiculous because he's, you know, he was approaching thirty years, and you know, mm-hmm. it was crazy. And I would say that today I have a pretty healthy fear um, when it comes to getting high or, or anything, even like like a, a mistakenly taking a drink of alcohol. I am I am a little bit fearful. Mm-hmm. Um, I live my life, but but that's what scares me today. I think so. That is the fear is definitely a motivating factor for me. And other than that, I I do what I was told when I walked in the doors of Narcotics Anonymous and my, you know, it's a 12-step program. I, I call my sponsor. Um, I go to meetings, pray, just do, I keep the, my recovery, like what everybody always says, I just keep it up front and I, and I'm, mm-hmm. I try to be constantly aware of it. And when things come up, you know, things come up, thoughts come up, dreams come up. I, I hear pe- people freaking out about a dream that they had, I, you know, and, uh, Things come up, and I just, I just do what I'm told, mm-hmm. you know? I've met some of the most incredible people who are in recovery. People who've gone through really great struggles, worked on themselves, and are really shining because of that. I asked them, what were the gifts they received from their sobriety? What did they notice about their lives that had gotten better? Like, I can go to sleep. Just be okay with myself. I, I, I don't, those thoughts are in my head, like the ones we were sharing about, like, you know, the less than, you know, like, but they're like in the back, you mm-hmm. know, and when they come up, like, I deal with them. I'm so peaceful. Like, I, I got my brother back in my life. I got my mom back in my life. I got my father back in my life. I mean, the, some of it, like, my mom didn't talk with me for three years, like, at all. It's like, you know, you made your fucking decision. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you hurt me too much, you know? And she was the one that, like, mm-hmm. would probably, you know, jump in that crack house, you know, try to pull me out, you know? Um, and, you know, I, I burnt that bridge, and I'm rebuilding it, you know? Mm-hmm. I got most of my sisters back. I mean, some of them still don't talk to me because they're <clears throat> still really, really hurt. Um, I got real friends in my life, like, like even last night, I was talking to some guy, and he pulled my ass up. He was like, "You mm-hmm. should like that's a real friend, dude." When, when I was using, they'd be like, "Yeah, you know, like <laughs> do it again, do X Y Z." Like that's not a real friend. You could throw me in the fire. Uh-huh. Like he's trying to save my life. But like real like people that like love me for like this person. Mm-hmm. Like like under the mask. Like, Woo, man, that is that is all. That's all. That's all that that Sam really needs. Like is you know, someone to love me mm-hmm. until I learn to love myself. Mm-hmm. The gift, the greatest benefit, I would say, like I've told you mm-hmm. before, I had a pretty cool life um, before I found recovery. Um, ups and downs, but I had a pretty cool, charmed life, and I was miserable for every day of it. And it could be the could have been the mm-hmm. greatest concert, greatest trip, greatest whatever. Enter, you know, word there. And I was miserable. And then um, I thought I found a solution in drugs because I was lo- always looking for something to make me okay. Um, 
So that was a short, very short term solution. Um, and recovery today has just given me the ability to wake up in the morning and be okay. Like I, I, the, the way I like it, I would say that my life before recovery, I was probably living at like a negative, you know, below zero. I was in the negatives. And recovery brought me back up to zero. Mm-hmm. And it gives me the opportunity to do whatever I want. Because now I'm just a, a regular dude as long as I mind my recovery. I think that's the greatest gift, is just being able to live my life. Beautiful. And you're doing good things with it, so. Yeah. Thank you, sir. Yeah. Um, the greatest gift for me right now would have to be waking up every morning and knowing that I don't have to do something like dirty or scheme or lie or cheat and I can just like live my life um you know just like everyone in recovery like we all get the material things back but for me it took a long time to get those material things back and I think it makes me just grateful for having those things you know a lot of people you know they get the things back right away and then you see them fall off and then they're like I'm good um for me I'm grateful that I had the experience to really earn those things back because it makes me more grateful for the things I have today the life I have today the friendships I have today the family that has chosen to come back into my life because not all of them have um and also just being okay with where I am right now. Um, it took a long time for me to be okay sitting with myself. And I mean, it's not every day where I'm okay, um, but I know what to do when I'm not. And that's the difference. If you are listening to this and you are struggling, like there, there's another way, oh, man. you know, you don't, you don't have to keep going down that path. There's there's a new way of life, mm-hmm. you know, but you got to take that first step. Thanks for listening to this podcast. We invite you to listen to the other episodes in the series. If you or someone you love is battling addiction, you're not alone. There are resources that can help. Visit our website, ifinew.org. Click on the Get Help tab for listings of local Baltimore resources, as well as leading national ones. These podcasts are brought to you by Jewish Community Services in Baltimore, an agency of the Associated. We are grateful for their support as well as the generosity of other funders who make JCS prevention education programming possible.